Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The NFL Draft is now officially open. This is draft season. John Schmelk, Tony Pauline with you. Thank you so much for being with us. And we're getting ready for the NFL Combine. That takes place next week in Indianapolis. We'll have a Combine preview show coming up next week. But a big program today, Tony Pauline, his pre-Combine. You can see he's pumped up. Look at him. It's his pre-Combine mock draft um, <laughs> coming your way today. Tony, we're going to go through... 31 picks, remember? Uh, yeah. There are no 32 picks in the first round because of Miami's tampering charges. They had a first-round pick taken away from them. So a lot of fun stuff going on today, Tony, as we get a kind of our pre-combine look at, at what this draft may look like. Yeah, it is. I, and, I mean, Miami, that, that pick really cost them. Cost them significantly because they could have gotten one of the good running backs and filled the need. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. Uh, my mock is a lot different from uh, others as you'll see I, i'm not as high as on the quarterbacks as we've spoken about so let's get to it all right so let, let's set the stage of, of what you're doing here first is this what you would do or is this predictive a little bit of both it probably more so at this point in time what i would do uh as you'll find out uh, as opposed to what's being predicted i i mean how can you predict what's going to go what's going to happen now i mean you don't have the combine we don't have free agency you don't see who what teams sign which free agents what teams lost free agents you don't know which running backs are going to be cut so it's really kind of tough at this point in time really to do either but i think i kind of geared towards more what i would do and as well as a little bit of what i'm hearing thank you and i think you hit it out of the park tony because i think at this point you know, fans that look at these mocks and say, oh, my team's going to draft this guy when we haven't even had free agency yet. So we don't even really know what team needs are going to be. I think it's a little bit silly. So I'm happy that you did it this way because I think it's kind of more where, what's the ballpark these prospects could get picked at, who you like. And then as we get closer and free agency passes, we can get more serious about what you're hearing, what teams want to do, and placing guys. Second question before we start. Will you be making any trades in this mock draft? I never make trades. Uh, you know, it's, it, I mean, that's really the hypothetical of all hypotheticals. Uh, the only time I've, I've done trades is when I get the in, get some inside information. I've hit on a couple, but I just, boom, go right down the line and, uh, you know, not worry about compensation and things like that. So, no. Okay. And just generally speaking, what was the toughest part of putting this mock draft together for you? I hate to say it, but it's kind of easy. It was this one was kind of easy. I usually fret over these things, and the first round, first round mock takes like three hours. I was boo. I went right through it. So you know, it wasn't the Giants pick was a little bit. Uh, what was what was I going to do here? Uh, Zay Flowers. What was I going to do with him? So I, I mean, there there was really no 
it wasn't real. I, I didn't like, you, sometimes you do a mock and you get to one pick and 45 minutes later, you still can't figure out what the hell. Picks <laughs> on. Not that you know what's going on. Didn't have that happen this time. All right, good stuff. All right, let's get moving here. And we'll, we'll we'll go through pick by pick. We won't spend a ton of time on every pick, obviously, but we'll go through all of them. And then I have some thematic questions at the end and kind of patterns that, that came out as we went through the mock. All right, so first pick overall, Chicago Bears, Jalen Carter out of Georgia. Uh, your little caption here, Tony, the Bears can use help all over the field, but taking the best player available is the best strategy at this point. I guess my question for you is how close for you is Will Anderson to Jalen Carter as the top player in this draft? I mean, they're very close. I my my system, my scouting, my grading system is a three digit system, and they're ba he's basically three one hundredths of a point off from uh, Will Anderson from Jalen Carter. So they're right there, neck and neck. I mean, I guess the big question here is: Will this trick be? Uh, will this pick be traded? I just don't see a big market for teams move, wanting to move up to get one of these quarterbacks. That's why I went with Chicago taking Jalen Carter, who needs help. Who need help all over the defensive line. Yeah, I would think, Tony, that the Bears want to walk away from this draft with one of those two guys. So let's say if a trade does happen here, I would imagine they're probably not going to want to move further down than four okay. unless they want to make multiple moves, like go down from one to two or one to four, and then you know make a move again with a team like the Panthers or something like that who are looking for a quarterback and move down twice. But if they want to get the elite defensive player, which I got to imagine at some point you do have to get those guys, I think you kind of have to stay in the top four here. And the other, the other side of that conversation is if they want to move down, if they want to move down. Well, someone has to want to move up, right. okay? And I, and again, in my opinion, none of these quarterbacks are worth moving up. You know, you saw the Jets in 2019 move up three spots and added Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, and Josh Rosen, who was highly rated at the time. I just don't know that any team's going to really want to move up to secure one of these quarterbacks. Yeah, and I think that's kind of going to be the theme that we're going to talk about here a lot over the course of the you know two months leading up to the draft here, and we'll see what teams end up doing. And you had the first quarterback going off the board with the second overall pick to the Houston Texans, selecting Bryce Young. Bryce Young is the most NFL-ready quarterback in this year's draft, but the Texans better be able to protect him. Yeah. That's your caption here. And look, if you watch the tape, Bryce Young's the best quarterback, and I think we talked about this on last week's show. The measurements at the combine will be huge for him, and I think the only question is whether or not the Texans want to risk a team like the Colts jumping ahead of them with the Bears, right? Does it make sense for them to just move a day two pick to move up one spot with the Bears to make sure they get their guy? I think that's going to be an interesting thing to watch over the next few weeks. Yeah, not only is Bryce Young the best quarterback, he's the most NFL-ready quarterback. I mean, he's a guy who in September – you know, you can put him behind center and he's going to do the best job for you. In my opinion, he's going to have the least amount of risk. You know, doesn't have the great upside. Like you said, we want to see what his measurements are. Uh, and in my opinion, the Texans would just, just be just as happy to sit there. And if they don't, if Bryce Young is gone, maybe they go with Will Anderson because they also need pass rushers. Yeah, and look, I'll just, we've talked about Bryce Young a lot, so I'll just say this. He's just such a natural at the position. Yeah. Like, he just looks like he belongs. Like, everything he does, I'm not going to say it looks easy, but it looks like he just knows what he's doing. And it's rare, frankly, Tony, to see a college quarterback be that natural at that difficult of a position. 
He's a joy to watch. And as I've said on this program, as we talked about during the season, he always delivers for Alabama. He always delivers. The Tennessee game, which they lost, he got his team down in, in, in position to kick the field goal, to, to tie the game. And, and then, you know, at, at the end, at the LSU game, he got his team into the end zone. They lost because LSU scored, uh, scored on a two-point conversion. He always delivers. He sees what's going on. I, I mean, you could tell by watching the film that he knows what's going to happen before anybody else knows what's going to happen and before it actually does happen. The problem with him is, is he going to be six foot tall? Is he going to be 190 pounds? You know, is he going to have Mac Jones type arm strength? So those are going to be the question. Those are going to be the red flags. Those are going to be things to, to uh, keep an eye out for with Bryce Young. Yeah, no question about it. And look, I'll, I'll just say this too. You know, this wasn't an Alabama team that had the best offensive line in the SEC, that had the best receivers in the SEC. I'm not going to say he did a lot with less because it's still Alabama. Let's not go nuts. But this wasn't like the Mac Jones team from two years ago. He's got a bunch of first-round picks around them either. Yeah, but he did a lot, though. I mean, like yeah. I said, they, they, they lost the uh, Tennessee game on a, a last-minute field goal, and, and they lost the LSU game because of a two-point conversion the defense couldn't stop. So it wasn't Bryce Young's fault. I mean, he moved them up and down. And that Tennessee game... Yeah, he got beaten up. He got pounded. And that's and that's the concern for me is I saw the beating that he took in that Tennessee game, and you multiply that by 10, which is what the beating he's going to take in the uh, on Sunday, and that's got to be a concern. Yeah, Arizona Cardinals at number three, Tony, really sit and pick, wait for the best guy to come to you type of scenario for them. They select Will Anderson, the edge player out of Alabama, perfect replacement for J.J. Watt, an incredible prospect. Uh, let's go to number four, Indianapolis Colts. They got C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State. Shane Steichen hopes he can develop another dynamic young passer. How tough was it a decision for you here, Stroud or Levis? Was that easy for you? And, again, we could talk about whether or not the Colts might want to move up here or if they're happy to just sit and pick. Very easy for me because I have C.J. Stroud much higher rated uh, than, uh, than Will Levis compared to other people. I think C.J. Stroud, you know, I don't. when I watch Will Levis, I like Will Levis. But Will Levis never had those moments like C.J. Stroud had against Georgia in, in the semifinal game. Uh, Will Levis never had those moments like we saw C.J. Stroud against Utah in last year's Rose Bowl. And my hopes is that with Steichen there as the new coach, he'll be able to extract that out of C.J. Stroud on a daily basis, as we talked about on, on this uh, podcast in the past. I mean, I just think he was overcoached. And if he, he needs the right hand to really extract the best out of him, and he could potentially be the best quarterback out of this draft if he's coached correctly and he, if he receives proper, if he's able to develop. Now, let's be predictive here for a second. We know Chris Ballard loves traits, right? And there's no one more traitsy than Will Levis. And I'll throw Anthony Richardson in there too if you want, but I think he's, you know, not nearly as developed. Do you think he might lean Levis here or do you think he would eventually end up on Stroud? Oh, I mean, T.J. Stroud's got all the traits, as we know. He's a phenomenal vertical passer. So you say, okay, well, Will Levis has got a slightly better arm than C.J. Stroud, but C.J. Stroud has enough arm strength. I mean, as we saw in that Georgia game, people improperly said that C.J. Stroud was not a mobile quarterback. We saw he is mobile when they let him run. I mean, he's now less mobile than, say, Will Levis, who, you know, puts his head down and barrels up the field. So I don't know that there's a huge enough difference in the traits between, except for maybe the height and the stature between CJ Stroud and Will Levis, that you're going to lean towards Will Levis, who also needs a ton of work on his game. All right, let's go to number five here, Tony. And this is almost in some ways where the draft starts. Yeah. You, know, you figure two quarterbacks early, the two top defenders. We kind of know what, how, what that's going to look like. 
But now who's the next best non-quarterback? And the Seahawks picking at five. This is the pick they got from the Broncos in the Russell Wilson trade. You have them selecting Miles Murphy, the edge player out of Clemson. I'll read your little caption here. Murphy has the athleticism, the standover tackle, and pass rushing ability sorely needed to Seattle. Was this a tough one for you? Did you consider Tyree Wilson, who you have going a little bit later? We'll get to him in a second. You know, how tough was it to kind of get to that next non-quarterback after Anderson and Carter were off the board? Well, no, when I looked at my board, it was very easy because uh, uh, Miles Murphy happens to be the third graded player on my uh, board. So it, it was basically a fit with the best player available for a team that has had success you know, developing pass rushers, athletic pass rushers like Miles Murphy. So it really wasn't all that uh, that difficult. They need an edge rusher. Miles Murphy is a terrific edge rusher. He's got to get a little bit bigger. He's got to get a little bit stronger, do a better job against the run. Uh, but it was a good fit according to my board. Yeah, he doesn't have a ton of production tone. So how much is he a developmental guy? And, and you already mentioned some of the places where you think he needs to get better. But in a normal draft year, is he a top five level talent or are you pushing him up a little bit just because of what this class looks like? Yeah, I'm not. No, I, I'm not worried about the production only because it's a Georgia type situation at Clemson where they have so many frontline players on that defensive line. They rotate them in and out. And when you get rotated, you rotate in and out, you get a guy like, you know, Tom Walker, where he only has six sacks. And when people say, oh, he only has six sacks. But when you watch the film, he's constantly getting pressure off the film. He's constantly penetrating the line of scrimmage. And that's what I've seen with Miles Murphy in the past two years. Fair enough. All right, let's go to pick number six, the Detroit Lions. They got this from the Rams in the Matthew Stafford trade. For the Lions, they probably call it the Jared Goff trade, to be quite honest with you. They select Joey Porter, cornerback out of Penn State. This pick could be a defensive tackle, yet Porter fills a significant need and has tremendous upside. That's what you wrote. Easy for you as him as the top corner, or was this something you went back and forth on a little bit? Because you do have a bunch of corners going in the first round. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the corner mark, the, the corner ranking will basically be filled out through the combine. How these guys test, how these guys look, how is their backpedal? But right now, when I looked at Joey Porter, I think he's got more upside than any of these guys. He hasn't been as consistent as Devin Weatherspoon, but he's faster and he's more explosive than Devin Weatherspoon. I think he's uh, less of a downfield concern with the speed with Devin Weatherspoon. When I looked at some of the other guys, I just think that over the past three years, Joey Porter has shown me more flashes and more ability in that entire body of work than, say, Christian Gonzalez of Oregon or Cam Smith, which is why he's right now rated as my number one quarter uh, cornerback. <laughs> I mean, he is a physical, nasty cornerback. I mean, he does not back down to anybody. Plays a lot like his old man. Uh, you know, always plays through the whistle. Yeah, and look, I think you feel two great needs with that Seahawks pick. They need a defensive lineman for sure. They really haven't had a guy since Michael Bennett and Cliff Avril left, which is a long time ago, right? And now the Lions, look, I think they still hope Jeffrey Okuda is going to work yeah. out. But we'll see. Uh, I think that's a tough spot. Uh, they're going to have to make a decision on his fifth-year option coming up, too, at some point soon. I think by – is it this offseason or next offseason? I have to double-check that. I don't remember off the top of my head. But, yeah, they definitely need help defensively, so I think you filled a really good need there, Tone. All right, Las Vegas Raiders, pick number seven. You have them selecting Paris Johnson, offensive tackle of Ohio State. He seems to be the consensus top offensive tackle here. And you write, Alex Leatherwood, Alex Leatherwood he is not. And you referenced that because they selected Alex Leatherwood in the first round a couple of years ago, and then they cut him. Uh, Johnson is a terrific prospect. He checks all the boxes, unlike recent Raiders picks. Comes with high character. 
Did you consider quarterback here at all, Tony? Um, to be honest with you, I did not. Obviously, they got to do something at quarterback if, if they're not sold on Jared Stidham. But, you know, it doesn't matter who's back there behind uh, the offensive line. When you have no offensive line or when you have no offensive line that's as poor as a Swiss cheese, uh, you, you know, it, it doesn't matter. You look at Paris Johnson. I'm glad, I, you know, I haven't really paid attention, but I'm glad to hear that, you know, people are coming to the consensus that he's the number one uh, tackle because he's got the size, he's got the athleticism, played guard, then he played left tackle, showed some flashes uh, at left tackle. I'm just hearing great things about his character. I'm hearing he's a real good guy. He's a trustworthy pe uh, person. His teammates really like him a lot. So I'm hearing a lot of good things about Paris Johnson, which is a great thing to hear. And, you know, it fits the need with some sort of character, uh, up, you know, character, uh, positive character person, which the Raiders haven't had in the longest time. All right, next pick, number eight, Atlanta Falcons. You have them selecting Pete Skaronsky. And a little cop out here, Tony. OL, yeah. offensive lineman out of Northwestern. Uh, you're right, his next level position will be determined during the combine measurement, specifically the length of his arms. And we've talked about this. I think you think they might even be under 32, right, or somewhere in that area. Uh, presently, I see him filling the right tackle spot for Atlanta. But look, they want to run the football. You know, Atlanta had Kyle Pitts. Uh, they had the big wide receiver they selected last year out of USC, Drake London, and they still don't throw the ball. He still ran it a million times. So, you know, Skaronsky, whether a guard or a tackle, he seems to really fit into what Arthur Smith wants to do there. Yeah, and, and truth be told, Skaronsky is the number one player on my guard board. I don't even have him on my tackle board. And it's, you know, is his, are his arms going to be 33 inches? I mean, I'm, I'm told the rumor is it's not. He's not going to be six foot four, you know, which means that you can forget about him at left tackle. He's not going to be a left tackle. He's going to be maybe a right tackle. He's going to be a guard. Atlanta can use both, especially a right tackle. This was a little bit of a tough pick. I'm not as high as on Skaronsky as others are. I like him. But I, I'm just not convinced he's going to be a left tackle. And I put a premium on left tackles. But I thought it was a real good player based on my board. And it also fit a need. I think it's a very safe pick. Look, and you know, if you have to punch him in the guard with his physicality, his smarts, I think he'll be fine. Uh, so I agree. I think this is a pretty safe pick for the Falcons. And it fits what they want to do. Carolina Panthers tone, number nine, Tyree Wilson, edge player out of Texas Tech. I'll read the description. Any quarterback is a reach at this point and no more of a sure thing than Hendon Hooker in round two or Aiden O'Connell in round three. Wilson is incredibly athletic and can be used in a variety of roles. He played inside. He played outside. Very long player. Good motor. But again, I think he is a little bit raw, too. So this is going to take a little bit of development. Yeah, absolutely. And this is where I start to you know diverge from other people. Everyone's hell-bent that the Carolina Panthers are going to take a quarterback like they were last year. And last year's draft, they thought they were going to take a quarterback. I just don't see it with the first-year coach, with, with a, a general manager who has to hit on this pick. And, and I think they after quarterback, their next need, number one need is uh, uh, edge rusher. And Wilson fits that need, and he's a real good player. Like you said, there's going to be bumps in the road, but he's very athletic. I mean, he's a superman that you can stand over, tackle, have him come out of a three-point stance. He, he, the top of his film, his best film is really exciting, but he's going to need more work on his game, but that's okay. I, I mean, with the ninth pick of the draft, with that amount of upside as a potential def impact defensive player, uh, I, I mean, everything checked off here. I know Carolina Panther fans probably aren't too happy that I didn't have him taking the quarterback. We'll see how those quarterbacks uh, pan out down the road. Yeah. You could bookend them with Brian Burns. They are two different yeah. type of players. Burns, the smaller 
edgy guy and you know Wilson's a little bit bigger so I think that's a nice little combination of those two guys as well all right let's go to the Eagles at number 10 which is ridiculous they were just in the Super Bowl they have the 10th overall pick in the draft they got this from the Saints I believe this is when the Saints traded up last year correct to get Olave in the first round, if I'm Correct. not mistaken. Was, was it was it Olave? I believe I know they did trade up to get Olave, so it's got to be it. It must have been Olave, yeah. And you have them selecting Devin Witherspoon, cornerback out of Illinois. Witherspoon is tough, smart, and polished, as well as a terrific fit for the Eagles. And you know, I think this works too, Tony, because if they do change their philosophy on defense here with with Gannon leaving to be a head coach. They play a little bit more press man. Weatherspoon can fit there. James Bradbury is probably not going to come back in free agency. Darius Slay is a little bit older. Who knows how much longer he's going to play. You know, Harry Roseman likes to plan ahead, right? They drafted Cam Jurgens last year, anticipating Jason Kelsey will eventually retire. This is, to me, is them, again, A, planning for now with Bradbury leaving, but trying to prepare for life with that Darius Slay as well. And, and it's a need. I mean, if it, if it fits a need, and he is a... Eagles type of defensive back. He is smart. He is tough. He is nasty. You know, the only question on Devin Weatherspoon, and hopefully we'll find out about it in a week and a half, is his 40 time. He's not a, doesn't have the elite speed, but he plays with great instincts. He, he does a great job positioning himself to defend passes. Again, it checked a lot of boxes, filled the need. Could have gone Christian Gonzalez here, but I just like Devin Weatherspoon because I think of all the top cornerbacks, he's the most polished. He's the most NFL ready. You're going to have fewer lapses with Devin Witherspoon than you will with Joey Porter or Cam Smith or Christian Gonzalez. All right, let's get to pick number 11, the Tennessee Titans, Tony, selecting. Now we get a little spicy. Jalen Hyatt, the speedster wide receiver out of Tennessee. You're right, a top offensive lineman would be the pick if one is available. Agree with you 100%, by the way. Their offensive line is kind of falling apart a little bit. Otherwise, Hyatt fills the need for speed at receiver. You know, they already got Traylon Burks, who's kind of the bigger guy. He's got speed, too. But uh, again, more of a run after catch, but you know, type of player. You know, Hyatt will stretch the field here, Tony. I agree. I think they'd like to repair that offensive line if they could. But why Hyatt instead of some of the other wide receivers is the first one off the board? Well, because they need a speed receiver, because he's going to work perfectly with Traylon Burks. I mean, you put Traylon Burks on one side, you put Hyatt on the other side. What is the safety going to do? Is he going to shade over to, to protect against the bigger Burks? Or is he going to take a few steps back? to protect against the home run hitting speed of Jalen Hyatt. And that is what Jalen Hyatt has. When you watch the film, Jalen Hyatt plays fast. I mean, he has got a burst that he turns on in a step and he is gone and he catches the ball very well downfield at full speed. He needs to expand his route tree. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but you're going to, you're going to be struggling to play press coverage against Jalen, uh, Jalen Hyatt because if Hyatt gets a half a step on a defender, he's gone. If Skronsky's there, I think that's the pick. Any other offensive lineman would be a massive reach at this point in time. You know, if there is the potential for a trade down, it's probably in this area for a team that wants to move up to get a receiver or to get a cornerback. Uh, but, I, you know, without making any trades, which I don't like to do, looking at the need, looking at who is available, uh, you look at all the top receivers, Jalen Hyatt is the best vertical threat. He is the truest home run hitter of the, of the group. All right, I'm going to jump ahead now, and then we'll get back to the picks in between. But you say you think an offensive line will be a huge reach here. You have Roger Jones, the left tackle from Georgia, going 16 to the Commanders. Why not a guy like Jones since you have him going only five picks later? Yeah, because I think Jalen – because all the other players are higher rated on my board. I think that, you know, 
whether it be Jalen Hyatt, Hyatt's rated, rated higher than Broderick Jones. You know, Quentin Johnson's rated higher than Broderick Jones. Jackson Smith Najibba's rated higher than uh, uh, Jones, uh, uh, Broderick Jones. I like Broderick Jones, but I still think that 11's a little bit too early. And I do believe that even though I, I kind of went off my board to get Jalen Hyatt, I still think you've got to remain true to your board. And if Jalen Hyatt turns out to be a crystal lave type and everybody was down on a lobby at, at this point in time a year ago, you're going to look back on it and say, ah, Hyatt's the guy we should have had. All right. Pick number 12, Houston Texans via the Cleveland Browns. This is the Deshaun Watson trade. Uh, they select Christian Gonzalez, cornerback out of Oregon. I doubt the Texans reach for an offensive lineman at this spot, Tony. So Gonzalez is your third cornerback off the board. You know, you mentioned all the tools there. Any consideration here getting another wide receiver? Considering you just selected uh, your quarterback of the future and Bryce Young to give him a little bit of help? No, because I think there'll be some decent wideouts uh, later on. There'll also be some good cornerbacks uh, later on. Uh, I would have liked to put an offensive lineman here. I would have also liked an edge rusher here if one was available, because I think, as I said earlier, if Houston loses out on Bryce Young, they'll probably go with, with Will Anderson because of the need there. But really, I, I, when I looked at it, I thought, again, need fit, best player available, or within a few spots of the best player available, offensive lineman, receiver. I mean, which receiver are you going to take? John, Johnson of TCU, I, I think that would be a, a major a major gamble at this point in time. Uh, Gonzalez fit the need and was was really at the top of my board at that point in time. Uh, all right, let's go to pick number 13, the New York Jets, Tony. Yeah. Brian Branch, safety slash kind of slot guy out of Alabama. You're right, Skaronsky or Paris Johnson will be the pick if available. That seems to be the trend here where it's like, we really want an offensive tackle, but there aren't a lot of guys to pick in this draft. But I expect both to be gone. Otherwise, the Jets have a needed safety, and Branch is a great center fielder, a safety with cornerback-type ball skills. The Jets have needed a true center fielder for decades now. I mean, a real ball-hawking center fielder they haven't had. Uh, and really, I rate Brian Branch higher than most. I have him as a top 10 player on my board. You okay. watch Brian Branch. He was a better player in 2022 than he was in 2021. Great ball skills. Great range. You're, you're a prototypical center fielder that goes sideline to sideline with these. You can play him over, or you can line him up over the slot receiver, and he's going to do a real good job for you. He's also a tough physical guy who willingly defends the run. Not a real stout uh, sort of uh, safety, but he willingly defends the run. I think he'd be perfect for solid system. And again, it fits a need. I mean, the Jets don't have a lot of needs on defense. A ball hawking free safety is one of them. And, and I think Branch fits that perfectly. He's one of the best ball hawking free safeties I've seen in a draft in a long, long time. All right. They pick back to back with the Patriots at number 14. They select a wide receiver this early Jackson Smith and Jigba wide receiver out of Ohio state. Smith and Jigba is a good value here. You write the bigger question. Can the Patriots finally develop a receiver? They select early in the draft and you wrote before Alex Leatherwood. He is not, I will say Nikhil Harry Jackson yeah. Smith and Jigba is not. We can go a long, a long list of, of top 100 of, of receivers that the Patriots have taken in the top 100 the past 10, 15 years. A lot of them haven't panned out. You know, the Patriots do a good job at cornerback. They've done a great job at, at, at quarterback Receivers seem to be the been the Achilles heel of that team when it comes to early picks. Smith and Jigba is polished. I mean, you go back to the 2021 film. Good pass catcher, catches the ball with his hands away from his frame. Good route runner, finds ways to get uh, get free. That's really what Mac Jones needs. I mean, you don't need a vertical threat because Mac Jones really is not a vertical quarterback. You need a guy who can run underneath routes, who can separate, who can find the open spot in the field. That's what Smith and Jigba was. 
it does well. Uh, well, he did well in 2021. Obviously, didn't play last year because of the third-degree hamstring strain. I think that that fits a need with a real good player that will be able to is a plug-and-play uh, type of prospect from day one. And we'll see if the Patriots bring back Jacoby Myers, their top receiver, who's a free agent. We'll see if they bring him back into the mix to pair uh, with this player in your mock. Pick 15, the Packers. Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame. You're right. There's no right tackle we're taking at this point, and Brian Branch doesn't make it this far. Mayer, was that an easy decision, him being the first tight end off the board? And the Packers generally do not pick playmakers in round one. So your thoughts there? Yeah, well, I, I don't know that Mayer's a playmaker. I, was it an e easy pick? I wanted to consider Will Levis here, but we really have to wait and see what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. Um, but after that, I, I mean, it was offensive line or tight end. I mean, they've needed pass catchers for ages. You, you watch Packer fans every draft day. They're pulling their hair out of their head, and they're looking like me because their team passes up pass catchers, receivers, or whatever. Hey, Watson worked out last year in the middle round, so you it, turned it, that pretty good. Exactly, but, but still, they've got a big need. And, and Mayer is that sort of bad weather sort of tight end you know we say northeast football well you know uh, middle america football if you will he's he's not a great playmaker down the field but he's a terrific pass catcher he's an outstanding blocker as we said time and time again mayor's the type of guy that 25 years ago is probably a top 10 pick because he does so many things well fits a need real good player very polished i don't see a lot of downside risk in mayor's game he doesn't run a four six He's not going to, you know, scream 30 yards down the field and, and beat the safeties in a foot race, but he does everything very, very, very well. Shades of Mark Chamora, perhaps, back in the day. There you uh, go. No, Mayer, certainly a more highly rated prospect than Chamora was coming out. Uh, number 16, Washington Commanders. We mentioned this earlier, Broderick Jones out of Georgia. You're right, cornerback is a serious consideration, but Jones feels a need at left tackle, which they do have, and is a terrific prospect with outside. You want to give me a little thumbnail on Jones? All right, very athletic. Zone blocking prospect, terrific footwork. He's got to get a little bit stronger. He's a younger guy, got to improve his run blocking, but that's a very easy thing to, or that should be an easy thing to do, or at least it's easier to, than to teach him the footwork and the pass blocking skills or the ability to get down the field and block in motion. Sam Howell's probably going to be the starting quarterback. You better protect him and keep him upright. 17, Pittsburgh Steelers, Brian Brzee had a Clemson the defensive tackle. You're right. Regardless of how good a player Cam Hayward is, he's closer to the end of his career than the beginning. We see him all, on all the media. He's already getting in his post-media career ready to go. You're 100% right about that. Why does Brzee fall? Well, there's a run of quarterback early on, and if he gets back to his playing form of 2021, and I'm sure he will, again, your words, this will be the steal of the draft. And I wonder, too, Tony, if the Steelers would have been maybe in the market for an offensive lineman here if one was there, but none are on the board in your mock here. Going to be on, on the lines of scrimmage. You know, when you do the mock draft, or at least when I do the mock draft, you go through it and all of a sudden you see one guy that's still there at the top of you like, oh, my God. And it was <laughs> I, I considered him for Detroit, but Detroit has a, a, a screaming need at the cornerback position. I think this is a great fit. Brise is a terrific player. People look down on him for his, uh, the 2022 season. And that's really wrong. With the, with the uh, kidney infection he had, the fact that his sister, younger sister passed away with the uh, brain cancer, he gets he gets back to form, the form that he showed in 2021. It, you know, And the Steelers do a great job developing defensive linemen. This just fit in so many ways. I pick 18, the Troy Lions with their second pick of the first round here, Tony. They go tight end. Remember, they traded TJ Hawkinson, so yep. they replace him with Luke Musgrave, the very toolsy tight end out of Oregon State. Had a nice senior bowl. You're right. There are a lot of teams who like Musgrave more than Meyer. He's a downfield or mayor. He's a downfield weapon at the tight end position. 
Did you think wide receiver here maybe too? Because I also thought maybe since they traded Hawkinson, does Detroit not value the tight end position as much? This is kind of something I was I've been kind of debating on my end. Well, I think uh, the tight end position, a, a good tight end is going to help Jared Goff. Receiver was a consideration, but Musgrave is moving up draft boards. As he told you at the senior bowl, you know, he wasn't 100%. You know, you want to repeat that story? He just wanted to play football. That tells you something about a guy yeah. like that. When you see all these people who are not going to the senior bowl because they want to train. And want, Musgrave went to the senior bowl. He wasn't 100%. And he's a guy who... Hopefully he's a, he's uh, fully and ready to go at the combine. I think people are going to be talking about him as tight end number one when the combine's over. Yeah, I think that'll score points with teams. The fact that he came back from that uh, injury he had earlier in the year, the knee injury, and he basically came back and trained to play in the Senior Bowl, and he admitted there was going to be rust, and there was a little bit of rust with him catching the football. But yeah, I think people will love that attitude. Pick 19, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady retires. You have them replacing him with Will Levis, quarterback out of Kentucky. Levis needs a lot of work, but has tremendous upside. You're right. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I don't see Will Levis as a top 10 pick. He could go top 10. I think there's a lot of risk in his game. He's got great uh, physical skills, the size, the arm strength. Needs a lot of work on his reads. Needs to learn, learn to go through his progressions. Needs to improve his accuracy, which is why I am concerned if any team takes him in the top 10. This makes a lot of sense. I mean, I don't know that they believe in Kyle Trask moving forward. Uh, if they do, they're not going to take Will Levis. You, you sign a, a veteran quarterback in free agency you know, to, to, to mentor Will Levis, and you take it from there. By the way, folks, you can see this entire draft on Pro Football Network. That's where it got published. So go check it out. Tony, I imagine you have a link through your Twitter account. If you want an easy link there, do you have this the the link up on your Twitter feed? Uh, it it will be up. I, I didn't see I didn't see that they tweeted it out, but I've been crazy busy writing reports the past couple of days. It will uh, be. Up. I'm you. sure it's somewhere. Just go find it, folks. It'll be there. All right, uh, let's go to pick number twenty. The Seahawks with their second pick in the first round. This is their own pick, much like the Lions just had their own pick two selections ago. You're the one wide receiver and an interesting one. Quentin Johnson, the big receiver out of TCU. You're right. The Seattle organization knows how to develop receivers. Where they're not messing around. You line up him and DK Metcalf with yeah. Tyler Lockett inside. That is a pretty formidable wide receiving core. You know, they needed a center. I gave him their edge rusher with their first pick. They needed a center. I think any center is a reach here. Inside linebacker, well, maybe Trent Simpson, but I think he's a reach. I think Quentin Johnson, you know, they know how to develop receivers. They always get the most out of receivers. Quentin Johnson, if you coached him, coach him correctly, and you develop him, you could have a potentially great receiver on your hands. As we've spoken about in the, in the past here, you know, he makes a lot of highlight reel films. He can dominate games. He's big, he's fast, and he's explosive, but he runs bad routes. He's not always catching the ball with his hands. He lets the ball get inside of his body. I think that this is a good fit because Seattle knows how to coach receivers and receiver Maybe isn't a high high on their uh, their list, but you know what? If you give Geno Smith another weapon to throw the ball to, assuming Geno Smith uh, agrees to contract terms with the Seattle Seahawks, you're going to make them that much more effective. You're going to help that offense. Yeah, almost a 10% drop rate for Johnson this year, which is a problem um, to your point. All right, next pick, another wide receiver, the Los Angeles Chargers select Jordan Addison, wide receiver out of USC. You're right. The Chargers need to load up on weapons for Justin Herbert. Enter Addison. And boy, is there a better person for him to learn the NFL trade from than Keenan Allen? You know, that's kind of a comparison for me, right? Both guys are technicians. They're route runners. You know, they're not 
gonna run four threes, but they can separate and run past people. So to me, I think this is the great Keenan Allen replacement at some point. But in the meantime, he plays inside or outside. Allen moves into the slot. That's scary with Justin Herbert. NFL ready. I mean, he's got to get a little bit stronger. He may have some problems with press coverage at the next level. But a guy, as you said, runs great routes. I think he's a plug-and-play type guy. I think he'll be productive as a rookie. And the sooner you can get a pass catcher on the field for Justin Herbert to throw the ball to, the better you're going to make Justin Herbert. So, again, fit a need with a real good player. All right, here we go. I'm going to package these next three picks in a pod for you, Tony, and then you can kind of take one each one because we have three straight cornerbacks off the board here. Talk about it. You have the Ravens at 22 selecting Cam Smith. You have the cornerback out of South Carolina. The Vikings taking cornerback DJ Turner out of Michigan. And then you have the Jaguars at 24 selecting cornerback Deontay Banks out of Maryland. These are cornerbacks four, five, and six off the board in the first round for you. Right, Cam, I mean, it's the Ravens are always looking receiver every year, but Cam Smith was the highest rated player on my board at this point in time, and they needed a cornerback, and they do an ex- exceptional job developing cornerbacks. Smith has got size, he's got speed, he's got to learn to do a better job making plays with his back to the ball, stop face guarding. Ravens have had success developing those types of quarterback. I said that they, I said it with the with the Vikings. I like DJ Turner more than most. I think he's a polished cornerback after Devin Weatherspoon, probably the most polished cornerback as far as ball skills are concerned of all the top cornerbacks in this year's draft. Size may be an issue, but he he can shut down the opponent. He's feisty and he knows how to play the ball. Deontay Banks is a guy who's ever improving. He's moving up draft boards. You talk to NFL people, they have a solid first round grade on him. I think he's going to blow up the combine. I think he's a guy who could get under 4-3 and maybe run in the high 4-2s at six foot tall. You wow. watch his game. He showed tremendous flashes last year. Another guy who's got to be more consistent getting his head back around. Jacksonville needs a big physical corner. That's what Deontay Banks is. I would have maybe liked some more playmakers or an offensive lineman for Jacksonville, but this really fits a need with a good player who, with Deontay Banks, there may be some bumps in the road early on, but if they're able to properly develop them, extract the best out of them, I think Banks is going to be a phenomenal cornerback down the road. Yeah, I look forward. I'm going to do a deep dive into the cornerbacks this week before we get to the combine next week. I look forward to watching all these guys. And again, that's six cornerbacks from Tony in the first round. We'll talk about that when we get to the end. All right, pick number 25, the New York football Giants, Tony. You have them selecting John Michael Schmidt, center out of Minnesota. Tell the fans about him. Well, you know, I wanted. I was thinking about Zay Flowers here, but as I said in my write-up, the Giants are about to make big investments in Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, and in a couple of weeks, they're not going to have a center on their roster unless they sign one of these guys. And John Michael Schmitz is the best center in the draft. He was terrific a couple of for three seasons at Minnesota. He was phenomenal during three years uh, during three days of practice as senior bowl. So this is not a a, a, a pick to fit a need. This pick fits a need with a real good player. He's stout. He's got an NFL build. I wrote on Twitter, I just love the way he quarterbacked that offensive line during Senior Bowl. You could see him making the calls, making sure his teammates knew what was going on. He was a real leader in the offensive line. Now, Sean has had success but when he was with Buffalo. Buffalo had success signing uh, centers in free agency. We'll have to see uh, what happens there. But I think, you know, if you're going to, Pour all kinds of money to Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. You better be able to protect Jones. You better be able to open holes for Saquon Barkley. 
I don't see a player on the Giants roster at the center position who can do that right now. I think John uh, Schmitz is going to be a terrific center in the, in the uh, league. It was right within the players that were at the top of my board. I think he's going to be a first round pick. Giant play, Giant fans will probably boohoo this pick, uh, you know, when it's made because they're probably going to want Zay Flowers. But if you can't protect your quarterback, you know, the quarterback can't throw the ball to Zay Flowers. And John Michael Schmitz, he is a real good center, a real smart, tough center who's got an NFL body. So this was a pick that I thought, uh, it, it, like I said, checked a lot of boxes. You mentioned Nick Gates, John Feliciano, both centers, both free agents. Ben Bredesen, traditionally a guard. He did a little bit of center last year, so you're right. There was a hole there, Tony. You mentioned Zay Flowers, and again, he measured, what, like five nine and a half at, at yeah. in Vegas? They already have Wando Robinson, right, at five nine, pretty much, and he's coming back off a knee injury. Who else were you thinking about at this pick for the Giants besides the wide receiver and the, and the interior offensive lineman? Well, I mean, cornerback would have been uh, a consideration, but I already have six cornerbacks off the board. So I think any cornerback at this point, you know, Eli Ricks is a bit of a reach. Uh, everyone else at the cornerback spot would have been a bit of a reach. We're not as highly rated as uh, Keely Ringo. I wouldn't take him here. Garrett Williams of Syracuse is not a first-round pick. They're good players down the road, but I just think there's too much risk to take any of those guys in round one. So really the way it worked out with all the top cornerbacks already off my board and concerns about the center position with the Giants just made the most sense. All right. One more follow-up is I know there's a lot of Giant fans watching. Any thought about either an off-ball linebacker? The Giants could use a Mike linebacker. And any thoughts maybe about a receiving tight end? If you can't get the receiver, maybe a, a weapon to tight end. Receiver was definitely a consideration. And I like Tucker Kraft, and we'll talk about later on, but I thought that Tucker Kraft was a bit of a reach compared to Schmitz, and I thought that center was a was a greater need. As far as the linebackers, I, I mean, again, I don't have Trenton Simpson or, or any of those guys, or, or, or Sanders from Arkansas, for that matter, rated as highly as Schmitz. All right, there we go. All right, let's go on to the Dallas Cowboys at 26. Remember, the last time the Cowboys and Giants picked back-to-back, you had that big Devonta Smith trade with Dallas and Philly kind of swapping around the Giants and uh, getting Devonta Smith there. You have them going a little off the board here, Tony. Kayshawn Boutte out of LSU. We've talked about him a lot on the show. I'll read your little caption here. I went off the board for this one. It was a battle between Boutte and Flowers, but Boutte is a better fit for Dallas and could be the best receiver to come out of the draft two years down the road. Right. And look, they like to use CeeDee Lamb in the slot, so I get why you wouldn't go Flowers here, to be honest with you. You know, I wanted a cornerback, but going back to what I said about the Giants, all the top cornerbacks are off the draft. So it was Zay Flowers and Boutte. Boudet, I think, is a better fit, and I think Booty is we've – talked, we talked about this last week. He is sort of the unknown in the draft at the receiver position. He was a guy who looked phenomenal at times in 2021, had a slow start to 2022, really picked it up at the end of the season, initially said he was going back to LSU, then decided to enter the draft. You talk about trades, Booty's got all those trades. I mean, he has a lot of upside. And I keep going back to the fact that, you know, one thing we know about LSU receivers are – they are much better in the NFL than they are in college, and they're darn good receivers on the college level. So there's something to be said for that. So when I looked at his size, I looked at his upside. I like Zay Flowers, but I think Zay Flowers is what he is, a smaller slot guy that you got to keep off press coverage. He told us at the at the Shrine game he's going to run in the 4-3s. I don't see a 4-3 uh, receiver on the field. Not, it's not that I don't dislike Zay Flowers. It's just that I think that there are – other traits that are more 
highly coveted at the senior ball uh, at the during the draft. And I think Booty's got those traits. Buffalo Bills, Bijan Robinson, the 27th overall pick, running back out of Texas. Any offensive lineman would be a reach at this point. You write Robinson immediately upgrades the entire offense and makes life easier for Josh Allen. I mean, yeah, easily, I mean, look, you were talking about grade, like this is a no-brainer, right? I mean, there were a lot of people who thought that the Bills were going to take Brees Hall last year in the first round. They, they passed him up, the Jets got him. They got a good cornerback. They just got a great running back. Bijan Robinson, I think he's the seventh-rated player on my board. You, you take him here at 27. It's great value. He is a terrific running back. I don't know that he's going to test all that well at the combine because he doesn't look like a great tester. But if you want a great running back who's also, oh, by the way, a phenomenal receiver out of the backfield. I mean, you watch him. They line him up in the slot. They line him up up in the flanks. And he is a great receiver out of the backfield. I mean, you immediately improve your offense and you immediately make Josh Allen that much more lethal. 28, Cincinnati Bengals. Tucker Kraft, tight end out of South Dakota State. You're right. Right about this point, many are saying Tucker who? But he'll be a household name after the combine. The Bengals did lose C.J. Uzoma last year. They rolled with Hayden Hurst this year. Uh, He was fine. But boy, another weapon for for Joe Burrow. You're just giving him all sorts of people to throw the ball to, Tone. Cornerback was a consideration. Obviously, offensive line was a situation. It was a consideration. I'd like to get a left tackle there, but there's no left tackles. Hey, Tucker Kraft, I, I mean, you watch him. He plays the tight end position like he's a receiver, although he's a big tight end. I mean, it's, he's not a small tight end. He's a guy that gets down the field, catches the ball naturally. He's got a lot of natural pass catching skills. He's a confident guy to the point where people think he's a little bit cocky or arrogant, but that's okay. He does a good job when he's asked to block on the line of scrimmage or out to the, uh, out on the second level. He's been a good player for two years. Missed the middle part of this year with an ankle injury. Went down with that ankle injury early in the Iowa game. Came back to help South Dakota State during their uh, their run in, in the playoffs. That says something about him. Just a real good unknown sort of uh, tight end prospect that I think once the uh, combine starts and once he starts getting national coverage, people are going to be like, oh, yeah, okay, we like this guy. So I think he's gonna, I think he's worth going in the first round. That's why I have him here. I think he's a good fit. Let's see what happens uh, next couple of days. Oh, I'm sorry, week and a half in uh, Indianapolis. All right, now we got the New Orleans Saints. Uh, they get this pick in a roundabout way. I believe it was, was this the Sean Payton thing that they got this back for the Saints? I think it was, right? This is what they got for compensation in some weird roundabout way, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they select Maisie Smith, defensive tackle out of Michigan. Tony, the Saints have a crying need for defensive tackle help. Smith has been a terrific player the past two seasons and will be a combine hero very soon. You got your two favorites in here, Kraft and Maisie Smith, man. Good for you. Uh-oh. You know, listen, let's go back to, I think it was one of the first shows we did, right, with Bruce Feldman, where Lassie Smith was the number one player on his freaks list. And what what Bruce told us is Mozzie Smith at 320 pounds has run the free cone in under seven seconds. That's a good time for a defensive back. This is a 320-pound defensive lineman. And when you watch him on film, as I've said, you know, people talked about David Njabu. They talked about uh, Aiden Hutchinson, Mike Morris this year. And a lot, they're able to do a lot of those things because Mozzie Smith controls the middle of the line of scrimmage. I watched the TCU game again, the uh, semifinal playoff game uh, uh, against TCU yesterday. And, and I mean, he hammered Steve Avia early in that game. He was getting the better of Steve Avia early in that game. And Avia is a big, strong power gapper. And, and, and Smith was knocking him back off the line of scrimmage. I have a personal affection for Mozzie Smith. I know there are a lot of people who don't think that highly of him, but I talked to somebody last week and they said, yeah, uh, if he doesn't go first round, he's going to go early second round. So this made a lot of sense with the Saints needed defensive tackle. 
All right, now we get to the Eagles. This is their own pick and their second pick in the first round. They select Jameer Gibbs, running back out of Alabama, two running backs in the first round. You're right, the all-purpose back to fill out the Eagles' offense. It'll help Jalen Hurts as a ball carrier, pass catcher, and blocker. And you hit a tone. He's, again, another really good receiver. And they're probably not going to bring Miles Sanders back in for agency, so there is a hole there. And, and I mean, it, it's it's the next need after cornerback, right? So the rich just get richer. Jameer Gibbs is, you know, we talk about Bijan Robinson, justifiably so, as one of the best prospects in this draft, never mind the best running back. But you watch Jameer Gibbs, and his tape is also outstanding. And probably not as good as an exterior runner, but he powers through the inside. He breaks tackles. He shows some short area quickness. Terrific pass catcher out of the backfield. I, I mean, was good at Georgia Tech. Just really elevated his game last year. Uh, for the Alabama Crimson Tide, and it really showed a, a lot of next-level ability. And, you know, if, if I'm the Philadelphia Eagles fan, which I'm not, and I come out of this draft with Devin Witherspoon and Jameer Gibbs, I'm over the moon. All right, final pick, Kansas City Chiefs, Tony. B.J. Ojolari, edge out of LSU. You thought about Zay Flowers here, but you also thought about Dewan Jones, but with Frank Clark likely to be a cap casualty, uh, and the Chiefs' affection for smaller one-gap pass rushers, Ojolari fits like a glove. I personally like Ojolari better as a 3-4 outside linebacker, but when you look at the way the Chiefs use their defensive ends, one-gap defensive ends, and you look at the film of Ojolari, he's incredibly athletic. He's fast. He gets up the field. He causes a lot of disruption. He also shows the ability to play off the line in space, which is added value. But I think as he gets bigger and he gets stronger, he'll be able to handle those uh, th those duties as a defensive end and a four-man line better. Uh, a lot of upside, a lot to like about Ojolari. And again, you know, they, they took the kid from Purdue last year. In, at the end of the first round, they got some good returns from him. Carl Loftus. Sort of the same type of play, Ojolari. I think Ojolari is a little bit better, so you're getting good value here. All right, so here's the rundown, Tony. I went position by position. You have three quarterbacks. Five wide receivers, two running backs, three tight ends, four offensive linemen, two tackles, Skaronsky we'll see, and then the one center and John Michael Schmitz. Going to defense, you have three defensive tackles, four edges slash defensive ends, no linebackers in the yeah. class, one safety, and six corners. That gets you to 31 players. I'm going to ask you this. Who are the guys that you couldn't get in when you finish and you're like, oh, this is not good. I need to get these guys in here. Surprisingly, none. That's why I said to you, asked me the, at, at the start, how easy was this or how difficult it was. And I mean, I Maybe Jack Zay Flowers, would he be a guy? Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I had Zay Flowers in consideration for the Giants, for the Cowboys, for the Chiefs. But I thought there were better players there that fit greater needs. And, and I explained that, you know, in, in my write-up. So yeah, Zay Flowers, I like Jack Campbell more than most. Some people think Keon White uh, of Georgia, uh, Georgia Tech's going to be a first round pick. I like Nolan Smith. I liked him as a definite first rounder coming into the year, but he hurt the pectoral, he hurt his pec and, and missed uh, the, the last, uh, last month of the year, although he really he played injured throughout the year. So there was really, I mean, a lot of people like Drew Sanders, but we talked about it last uh, last show. I, I don't think Drew Sanders is first-round talent. Some people say Lucas Van Ness. Ah, I don't know, younger guy. There's Very raw. I, I yeah. went back and I watched Van Ness last week, Tone. He's just a straight-ahead rusher at this point. He played defensive tackle more than he played defensive end. So for me, that's just a huge projection. Yeah, I, I mean, Eli Ricks, 
Eli Ricks, when he's on, on the field, he looks phenomenal. He's played 24 games in three years. I think he started five games for Alabama. So while there's great upside with Eli Ricks, there's a lot of downside, uh, a lot of downside risk. A lot of people like Osiris Torrance in the first round. I just don't know where that type of guard fits in the middle of round one or the end of round one. So really, I, you know, I was, like I said, I was, I was surprised I was able to get through this so quickly the way uh, I, uh, I, 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 I stress over these, these stupid mock drafts. <laughs> Tony, we're on the same page. You went, I had a list of guys that I thought I would consider potential snubs and you listed almost all of them in your, in your answer. So I'm going to throw a couple more at you that I have down that you didn't mention. Um, I know some fans will probably have questions about it. Anthony Richardson. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about him a lot. Super raw. You know, does not have first-round tape, but he has first-round traits. We know what you think about him, but when uh, do you think an NFL team is going to pull a trigger on him? You know, I, I think with that second Seattle pick, that could be a good place for him if they sign Geno Smith to a short-term contract because I think <clears throat> Geno Smith would be a perfect mentor for Anthony Richardson. And if you have Geno Smith start for next another year, you don't need Anthony Richardson. I think that's got to be a consideration at that point in time. I mean, any place else, would the Buccaneers take Anthony Richardson? Well, the Buccaneers take Anthony Richardson. You're probably expecting him to start early in his rookie career, rookie season, which I think would be a massive mistake. Yep. If the Ravens lose Lamar Jackson, would they take Anthony Richardson? I don't think so. That doesn't seem their style. Although they took Lamar Jackson in the bottom third of round one, they had a lot of success with him. You know, I, I listen, I, I just have a I have a lot of concerns about Anthony Richardson being selected in the round one and round one. And I don't I firmly believe that quarterbacks have been overdrafted the past 15 years. I was ecstatic to see what happened last year. We'll see what happens. All right. I'm going to throw a guy that I love and I know I have him higher than you do. But you had three tight ends going the first round and one of them was not Dalton Kincaid. Uh -huh. And I wonder, Tone. If you get to the end of the first round here and wide receivers are gone that a team wants and they need a weapon and they see Kincaid, who really is not a blocker, right? This is basically a move tight end that's going to play in the slot. He's a, he's a big, he's basically a big wide receiver. Do you think he could slip into the back end of round one? Well, a couple of things. I mean, they used him as a move tight end. Dalton Kincaid is six, six, six and a half, 245 pounds. He's probably going to be able to put on another 10 pounds. Now, the thing about the Kincaid is, Let's go back to when we had Jim Nagy on this program. Nagy said that Kincaid is injured and he may not even be able to work out before yeah, the draft. Okay, so I, I don't know. You know, maybe a, a team takes him later on. And let's also not forget, Kincaid did very well this year, but he wasn't even starting tight end uh, for Utah coming into the season. It was Brian Queef. Kincaid watched his game take off when he, when he stepped in the line. I personally think Kincaid should have been playing more the past couple of years. And he's a guy that doesn't have a lot of production, you know, a large body of work, say the way Tucker Craft or Michael Mayer or, 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 uh, or the uh, Luke, Luke Musgrave of Oregon State has. So there is concern there with Kincaid, especially with the injury. When is he going to be healthy? Are we going to get to see him test? There was really no consideration on my, on my part to book Kincaid in round one. You mentioned Keon White. You know, I'd like to see for those kind of athletic freakish defensive lineman. He's like 280 pounds. Right. But he moves really well. Yeah. Like he was fine in mobile at the senior bowl, but he was not the dominant force. I wanted to see him be in those one-on-one -on -one drills. 
And the thing about White is he shows flashes. Even on film, he shows flashes where he takes over games, but he disappears for long stretches. And that is a concern. That's what we saw in Mobile. I mean, he wasn't dominant. He showed great play. He showed great ability on certain plays, but he wasn't, say, like the kid from Northwestern who couldn't be stopped at any single down or even the way uh, Keanu Benton of Wisconsin dominated the first two days of practice. That's what Keon White is. That's why I don't have him in the first round. All right, here's a guy I don't think we've mentioned on this show yet. Uh, but uh, who was it? Did Mel Kuyper have him in his top 15 on one of his mock drafts? Kalijah Kansi, the undersized defensive tackle out of Pittsburgh, Tony. Now, the easy, lazy, oh, undersized defensive tackle from Pittsburgh. This guy must be Aaron Donald. And we get a lot of that conversation. And you're shaking right. your head because that's obviously ridiculous. Right. But your thoughts on Kansi, and is he even in the neighborhood of a first-round pick for you? Not on my board. I mean, listen, undersized, you talk about Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald went to the Senior Bowl and dominated the Senior Bowl. And by the way, dominated Zach Martin at the Senior Bowl. Every day. He could not be stopped. Could not be stopped. Cansey didn't have that ability. I like Cansey, but I like him as a one-gap defensive tackle. Is he going to be six foot tall? Is he going to be 290 pounds? He does not show. The one thing that Aaron Donald showed during C, uh, during uh, senior bowl practice was power. He, you know, he shocked everybody how powerful and how strong he was. People didn't think that didn't think that about uh, Aaron Donald. Cansey never had that that uh, that opportunity. And Cansey doesn't look very strong on film. He looks like a one gap penetrating first step lineman who makes a lot of plays because he's able to exploit. His opposition, he's not bull rushing over or, or handling opposing offensive linemen the way Aaron Donald did. Apples and oranges. I like Canty, but I think he's a scheme-specific three-technique lineman. And while he could have a successful NFL career, there's not just a huge opportunity or there's a lot of attraction or there's a big market for that type of guy when it comes to the NFL draft. And again, everybody, you can go check out this full mock draft on Pro Football Network where Tony put his mock draft out. Uh, we will both be in Mobile for the Combine next week. Before we go out there, we are going to record a Combine preview episode in which we take questions from fans. So I'm going to put a tweet out there, and you guys can reply to it. I'll put Tony on it, too. He can retweet it. You guys can send in all your questions, so we'll do our Combine preview. Uh, yeah. It'll probably air on Monday next week. We'll record it over the course of uh, at the end of this week, and we'll get that up for you, and then we'll rock and roll, and, and we'll have a good time with it. And we'll get ready for the Combine next week. And then we'll have Tony on Big Blue Kickoff Live next week. And then we'll do a Combine review after it's over and we get back from Indianapolis uh, early the following week. We'll try to get that up on the Monday after the Combine and get that recorded uh, rather quickly if we can. If we can't, we'll get it up on Tuesday or Wednesday uh, like we usually do. We thank Tony Pauline for joining us. I'm John Schmelk. We will see you next time. This is Draft Season. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 